All right, welcome to the uh, Rekindling Ministries Fireside Chats. I don't remember which episode this is, the fifth one or sixth one, somewhere in there. Um, but if you've been listening to any of the podcasts, you know in the other seasons they're more formal, they're more structured. Uh, we're just doing these in the interim before we go into season four later this fall. Uh, and these are naturally just more relaxed, kind of more ca- more casual, uh, casual and chill, though the topics aren't. But the the approach and the attitude is. And so I'm Shannon Kirkpatrick. I'm the, the director of Rekindling Ministries. And so let's go around. Uh, we have Craig first. Chris, you've been on, on all the fireside chats so far. So Yeah, I'm Craig. I've been on all of them and on some of the other past in the earlier seasons as well. Okay. And then and then to your right or my right. Danielle Sarchet. And this is my first time at a fireside chat. And then did you did you do one of the other recordings in one of the seasons, unpacking seasons? No, I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't. So Danielle's been in a, a number of the unpacking classes in the community group. So this is your first podcast completely for Rekindling. It is. Okay. It is. Okay. All right. And then we have uh, Ian Gray. Yeah, Ian Gray. This is my first fireside chat, but I did a few of the podcasts in the previous. I think I did spiritual maturity, humility, and something else. Yep. And then who's to your left? My lovely wife. And I am Erica Gray, and this is my first time on any radio program, so this should be fun. And you've, you've been in the studio with us before. Yes, uh, silently. Yeah, you're just in the background silent. I'm going to turn the, uh, the fireplace on, <laughs> like the technology, so we can get a real fireside chat. Okay, so um, this episode, and probably the next one, we, we, when we first started planning the fireside chats, we were throwing different topics, theology and that kind of stuff. Obviously, politics came up quickly. Uh, and so we knew we wanted to get politics into the podcast, trying to figure out exactly how. I was a little nervous with that, but, but I knew it'd, it'd be a good thing. And, and so this one actually, what we're focused on is not politics itself. We may end up doing some episodes on that. And, when, and by that, what I mean is like in general, which policies – um, more left or more right or more moderate or whatever, which policies do you think line up more with scripture, et cetera? We, we may do that at some point. What this specific episode is going to be is how as Christians, what, is the, what, are the, what are the biblical parameters for us responding to our governing authorities that we don't agree with? So we differ on the policies, but again, we're not discussing the policies themselves. We're saying, what are we supposed to do if there's a government, you know, a president or a Congress or whatever that the decisions they're making, we, we disagree with. We don't care for that person. We don't like that person, but we're still supposed to submit to them. And so we're looking at, at what the biblical response is. That, that's what this episode, maybe the next one will be. So with that in mind, though, I think it's helpful for for each of us, and we, we kind of know where, where we are, but and even for the listener, because one of the you know one of my hopes for these fireside chats was to show people that here's Christians of like different walks, different perspectives, different priorities, um, but all still like wanting to stay true to Scripture. Um, but we may have some differences in um, the political spectrum and policies, et cetera. So what I want to do is is do a quick go around. Where would you put yourself on the political spectrum? We can't go into why we think that's the right one and why we're there, but I want because we're actually kind of all in, in different places, um, and and just to give you an idea of these are the ones that, that are sharing. So so I'll I'll start. Um, so for me, overall the answer is moderate. Um, it depends on the actual issue or policy. So like for example, party wise, I don't affiliate with any one party. I can look at each one of the political parties and say, all right, so that element I agree with, this element I, I disagree with. And that's true of Democrat, Republican, um, constitutionalist, Green Party, et cetera. If there's a party that I agree more with than the other parties, it's probably libertarian 
but I'm not officially associated with any. And then policy-wise, some policies I go more left on, some policies I go more right on. Most policies I tend to stay kind of moderate. So, th so that, that's where I am. Danielle, where are you at? I am actually in a very unique situation right now where I'm going to be in between three different governments. Mm -hmm. I'll be moving to China, and then I want to eventually move to Rwanda, yep, and then I'm also there. right under here for America right now. Yeah. So this was fascinating to me to be able to be a part of this. Um, I would say for what my beliefs are now, I'm going to I'm going to say the same thing. I'm pretty much a moderate in between both. I've been exploring a little bit more of libertarian as well. Okay. Craig? I am a constitutional conservative. Constitutional conservative. Okay, cool. Good. Erica? And I um, don't consider politics a big part of my world, um, even though I know that I'm living in a place where politics are all around me. I don't discuss it much except for with my husband. However, if I had to, I do have strong views about things, but it's all in different places depending on what the discussion is about. Usually, um, depending on what can be loving, helpful, beneficial, um, not ever associated with any particular party. However, when I talk to Ian, who's a lot more politically based, it seems to be that maybe I would be a libertarian, mm -hmm. um, also a constitutional conservative, because I do care about the Constitution. And um, But love is really what drives you. Yeah, yeah. love is the driving force. So yeah. I, I was going to say, I'm not on the political spectrum, but I do have perspectives and opinions. Yeah, so. you kind of float <laughs> around. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Ian? All right. And uh, actually, politics that heated up about three years ago now sparked my interest in my getting my degree in political science. Yeah. So I would have said in my 20s, I was a liberal. I am now in my 30s and I am a constitutional conservative like Craig when it comes to a lot of policies. But when it comes to social and individual freedoms, that's where I lean libertarian. Okay. So there is a little bit of a mix there. Right. But overall, if you wanted to throw me into a party right now, I would say almost across the board I'd be voting Republican because they seem to have individual values at hand. Yeah. So you can see it as the listener where there's obviously similarities in this group and some differences as well, which I love that as, as we go in to discuss this. All right. So basically we have, you know, and these, these are kind of shorter, more casual um, uh episodes so we can't go into full detail with each of these but we got several points we want to make the first point is i'll say the point and then you guys say oh yeah i agree with that or no i don't or here's some here are my thoughts on it whatever so the first point at least as christians we believe that jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords so we believe that he's he's the divine master of everything so any authority that comes up is going to be under his authority any pushback disagreements agreements where you at no i would agree with that yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, we should lean to him as the ultimate authority for everything. Right. And and so that would bring, I think, all of us on the same page, too, with the Bible, that the, we would consider the Bible authoritative and kind of put that up there with Jesus. Okay, so that's point one for us. Now, 
we don't have any non-believers right here in the in the episode. Uh, one day I'd love to get to that and see what their thoughts are. I don't think Jesus is the is the supreme authority. What is the supreme? Th- that'd be interesting, actually. What do you think there is a supreme authority, or is it more all relative, etc.? So unfortunately, we can't get that discussion because we don't have <laughs> the, those here. So that's point one. Point two is God, as the supreme authority, has chosen to set up a world, a system that has like other governing authorities. Um, so kings or, or governors. Um, you also have spiritual authority. We're not really getting into spiritual authority today. We're talking more about political, social authority. Um, but God has chosen to set up those authority. So there's the verse in, well, the main ones are um, Titus 3, Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 2. I think those are the big, big three. There's one in Romans. I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah Romans 13. Yeah. Yeah. Romans 13. Yeah. Um, so we probably actually should. Can you guys pull those up and we'll actually go ahead and read those because a lot of what we're basing our stuff on is is on that so yeah we'll look up all four of those the romans 13 um the titus 3 the uh first peter 2 and the hebrews so just someone whoever picks up one first go ahead and, and just read that that passage okay so romans 13 1 says let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those which exist are established by god Okay, and so so there, no authority exists that's not been established by God. Now we're not going to get into this discussion on what exactly that means. Does he like this is determinism? Does he make it happen? Does he orchestrate it? We're going to leave that for another discussion. So that's the Romans thirteen. Okay, I'll do uh, Titus three one and maybe two. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Which one was that one? Titus three one. Okay. All right, then we got someone read the the First Peter two. I got that one. Okay. First Peter two thirteen, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Okay. So now, just so you know, if you're listening, um, well, of course. If you're listening, you're listening. <laughs> so anyways, um, the the First Peter one, you'd actually want to read all of First Peter 1 and then all of First Peter 2. All of First Peter 2 is a ton of stuff that we're actually going to come back and reference on that. And then, Danielle, do you have Hebrews 13, 17? Okay, and, and pull the... I'm almost there. Okay. And so, that, so the, these are the four kind of main ones that all say some similar things there with that. Or if someone else, someone else have it right away. I don't. Well, another one that I was thinking is important is in Ephesians 4, I think it's 4.15, it talks about speaking the truth in love. So even when we're discussing anything about politics, we need to, and we don't agree, we cannot agree, but we need to speak that truth in a loving way. Yep, and so that, and that's a great point. I think the idea here is this first episode, we're looking at major, kind of the major points to what it means to submit to governing authorities, and then the second one is going to be attitude and tone, and, and Erica and I are very much on the same page when it comes to this and, and, and the primacy of love on that, but we'll come back to that. Okay, I have it. Okay. All right, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So I think that's referring more to spiritual authority since it says like caretaking over your soul, but there is a, a principle that can be somewhat at least applied to to this here. All right, so so what we have is kind of point one that Jesus is the king of kings for us. 
Point two is that, that Jesus has chosen to delegate and create this whole authority system for the world to govern itself. And then point three, and obviously, and we're not going to go into this, we, we, we did this a little bit in the last episode on pastors and their responsibilities. Whoever the governing authorities are, whether this is spiritual or political or whatever, God does have some very specific instructions for them uh, on what he expects them they uh, to do. And we're not going through that now. We're talking more as the followers, what are we supposed to do? So point three is that we followers, based on these verses that we just read, are supposed to submit to them or obey. So let's let's get a little bit into um, what do you guys? How do you guys see the what? What does that mean to submit and obey, Craig? Um, I think of to com- be compliant and um, to realize like kind of you're under their authority. So they're you know not necessarily what they say goes, but it there's definitely a big role in that. Like yeah. they're put there to make the rules and to to some level of whatever that level is. Um, we're supposed to be okay with that. Man, okay, that's really good. And by the way, we actually are going to address in this episode the exceptions to that, um, but we're not rushing to them. And so the way that we're laying this out is here's the general rule. Here's what that general rule means. Let's go through to make sure we're understanding that and choosing to embrace that. And then once we've chosen to embrace that, then we can find the exceptions. So I, so I would actually just pretty much agree with what Craig just said. Would you guys have any other, any other definition or a way that you would explain what it means to obey or submit? Yeah, I think the one thing that uh, we talked about earlier was um, that submission is actually a very deep, mindful mm-hmm. uh, moment that you have to take and actually even if you don't agree or don't necessarily want to bring yourself to that level that you actually have to have a mindful recognition that this person is your leader and you must obey so the obeying is the act and the submission is more of the admission to yourself Mm. that no matter what even if you don't like the person i normally call it respect the -hmm. position right um I know you're supposed to respect the man as well, or woman, for that matter. But I look at it as respect the position. Yep. Okay, so to help kind of, as you're listening to write this down, it seems like we got three main words here. We're going to define them in particular ways. The first word is submit. And submit means to be this like internal cognitive and emotional decision of, all right, that is my authority figure. And so there is some duty on my part to comply to their direction. And I'm going to choose to submit to their authority and comply to that. Again, there could be exceptions. We'll get that shortly. But so first, the submit is that internal decision. Obedience is then acting on it and actually doing whatever the direction says. And we talked about how one can obey and not necessarily submit. Right? I'll do it, but I so, I'm only doing it because I want to, not because you're telling me to. Right? And it seems that biblically we are called to submit and obey. That That's the general command of where we're supposed to go. So you have the submit thing, the obey thing, and then the third one, Ian, you just brought up, which is the respect thing. Now, real quick, I think I tend to use respect and honor interchangeably. Do you guys use them interchangeably, or do you see respect and honor as two different things? I, di- I didn't tell them that question. Yeah, I'm not sure because yeah. I, I didn't have a chance to look up what I think the differences might be. Yeah, off the top of my head, I, I kind of e- equate them. We, do you guys know off the top of your head any way that you would differentiate, Danielle? I I think that there would be a little bit of a difference, okay. but I haven't looked into it too much either. But I can respect somebody, honor I look up as someone more like a king. 
somebody would have a higher like I can respect you but then like really respect the the queen of England mm-hmm. you know, that's so kinda, honor would have an, an, an uh some higher kind of lofty connotation yeah. to it than respect okay yeah I would agree with that I I feel like honor is a higher degree yeah maybe a higher degree or maybe a higher liking or thinking of the person than just the respect because mm-hmm. um, you can respect people that are below you like in status or work or you know what I mean mm-hmm. but honors would seem to be for somebody that you would perceive as above okay yep in my mind yep Erica yeah I also think that honor is higher than respect and um, Ian just showed me this definition that it includes admiration, and that makes sense to me that you can respect okay, someone that you don't necessarily admire or yep. even like, but uh, honor, you usually admire, like, um, you really have a, a high value and estimation yep. of them. Okay, so this is good. So re- we should respect everybody. And it, what, what would be like a short definition you might give of that, a sentence or a phrase? What does it mean to respect? Like like I might use to recognize worth in. Yeah, Shannon, like we were talking about uh, off the air here, one of the big things that I always look at is uh, making sure that you're not dehumanizing a person. Mm-hmm. So giving okay. them at least human value and worth. That's respect. Okay. So... So I guess we're all kind of on the same page here so far that respect is to recognize the worth in or value of and every human has worth because they were made by God. So in that sense, everybody should we should respect everybody to some degree. Honor then is more of the admiration. Um, it's a higher degree of that. Okay, so that's actually a good segue. Peter, in the, in the first Peter 2 passage, it says, honor the king. And, of course, by king in the English was the emperor at the time. We don't know exactly when First Peter was written. Um, there is a chance it was written during the reign of Nero, uh, potentially a little bit later in, in Domitian or Domination. I can't always forget his name. And so we don't know for sure which emperor was in charge at the time. If it was Nero or Domitian, who, who was also had kind of the same attitude towards Christians as Nero did, um, it's it's mind-blowing that Peter would say honor the king what do you guys think about that we do have the issue that Ian brought up as far as like at least the very position at least at least at very least the position if not the person so do you think Peter's saying honor the king he's he's talking about honor the position what would you guys think of that it would be more than that however it's really difficult to consider um, telling Christians to honor a king who is crucifying Christians and killing Christians, um, to to still honor that king would mean, okay, if you're going to get killed for what you believe, then that's what's going to happen, kind of. That seems really hard to, to grasp. Right, so what do, you think, <laughs> what do you think Peter's trying to get at here? Uh, I still think, and this, I haven't studied on this one, mm-hmm. that's why I believe in my personal view, of the position mm-hmm. because God sets up the position, but we do know that there have been dishonorable rulers mm-hmm. that have either been chosen by evil people, people that were not following God, or some people argue, which I push back on that God actually put an evil person in power. I don't necessarily hold to that one. I hold to more or less people are utilizing their free will to get this leader or the leader gets yeah. it through his own barbaric ways 
but we're still supposed to honor the position. Yeah, and you, now you do have, it looks like Jesus, or God used Babylon to teach Israel some lessons. There's, well, there's some element to that. Yeah, there, that is, there but, is, and yeah. I think that's an exception to God's rule. Sure, okay, a good point. So at the very least, we would say honor the position. That would be the easier, safer one. It may still be honor the person that's in that position. I don't know if we can conclusively argue one way or the other from that. So that might be like each person is going to kind of come to the conclusion they're going to come to. But you would want to realize at the very least the position, if not the person. Um, and, yeah, and so I think I'll leave it at that. If anybody else wants to add anything to the honor issue. Okay, so we have um, the the submit, which is like the psychological internal decision, the obey, which is the behavior. And not only are we called to submit and obey, we're also called to honor um, this, this uh, at the very least the position, if not the person. Um, so that's the general rule. We also have you're supposed to do everything in love, which actually we're going to come back to, I think, in that second episode. Um, so those are the, the general rules set up that we're supposed to do. There are either exceptions or footnotes or qualifications to this. So like, Craig, what's what was one of your fears... If, if someone holds to this general rule blindly, unconditionally, what's one of your fears or concerns? Um, that they just, I mean, apathy is not necessarily the right word, but they, they sit back and don't get involved and do anything and don't vote and don't make a difference because they're supposed to just honor and follow. And so if that happens, if all Christians took that mindset, things could degrade so greatly mm-hmm. um, that a society would be, you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. and there was nothing of value there. So um, just just that concern yep. of checking it and, and you know, ho- hold the honor, but at the same time realize there are things, especially in American politics, that you, you should be doing. Yep, so we're clarifying here that when we're saying submit, obey, and honor— we're not saying that you become this passive, apathetic, do-nothing person. We are not saying that. Erica? Yeah, and there's a quote by, I guess it's by John F. Kennedy. Um, it says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Mm-hmm. So that goes along with that. If Christians aren't standing up for their beliefs, then who's going to? Yep. So let's get into now uh, uh, yeah, some of the uh, application exceptions etc so so given that we're supposed to submit obey and honor what would what would be a qualification that you guys might add one right away would be um you know are the are the authorities demanding things that would go against scripture or against god Um, And, and if they do you know as christians if god's your ultimate authority you have to hold to his values mm -hmm. that that doesn't mean get your knives and go run down people that are going against them, but it does mean there there is a point where you have to take a stand and say, we can't let certain things go on, and we have to take the appropriate actions yep. to try to, to fix the situation. So if the, the governing authority issues a command to go be or do something that the Bible prohibits, we must resist and not be or do that. Or inversely, if the governing authority prohibits something that the Christian is commanded to be or do, we must resist that. So, for example, Daniel, the the um, king set up the rule when the trumpets sound, everyone must bow down and worship this uh, uh, 
uh, that big statue that was built. And Daniel, of course, says, I'm not going to do that. And so they said, hey, here's the command, here's the law, bow down and worship that statue. And Daniel did not. Now, Daniel was then arrested for that and thrown in the lion's den. He actually submitted to the punishment because um, he trusted in, in God on that, but he did not submit to the decision. So that, by far, is the number one qualification that we're going to add to this. Right, and, and like you said, uh, one of the things, one of the issues that is faced but that we're also supposed to do is then submit to the punishment, knowing mm-hmm. that we are going against whatever governance mm-hmm. or government rule that was set out, and that's seen all throughout the Bible. Tons, yeah. So that's really the, the biggest thing there is recognizing that if you do this, you have to understand the consequences because all actions do have a consequence. Yeah, that's a good And point. we need to do it in a Christianly manner, which I know we're going to talk about more of the doing and right. heart behind it in the next episode. Yep. So this brings up a point, Craig, you mentioned before um, we started recording. Um what's really important that that we're that we're using or leaning on or being guided by uh, as we do this for us yeah like well, remember you, you were talking about make sure you're sound in your oh like you you know your reasoning so you don't just hold to something because the political party that you follow says this is this is the position if you're a christian particularly you know what the bible says about it and the reason why you're you're either going against something or fighting for something. Yeah. So we would say don't be grounded in just what the political party says. Don't even be grounded in what traditional church Christianese may say. They may be right, right? We got to test that. Um, don't be grounded just in what your own personality and flesh wants. You want to be grounded in scripture. All of us here believe that this is, you know, the authoritative, infallible, transformative. So we want to be guided by that. So yeah, cuz otherwise you won't know. So so um that's an assumption in that submission, honoring and uh, obeying, is that you're grounded in Scripture, letting Scripture and Jesus guide you first and foremost. The biggest qualification to this this um, submission thing is if it counters Scripture, don't do it. Is there any other qualifications or exceptions that you guys would add? I think for our particular form of government, um, we have the Constitution, which is our ultimate authority, mm-hmm. not a particular person. Um, and in that, the officials that are in power are elected by us to serve us. And so if they are not following the, the law of the land, then as American citizens and the way our government is set up, um, there are ways of going about removing them, both yep. in election and outside of election. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we're not called to just sit and, and take the law being broken by them. Right. So this is a phenomenal point. Does the Bible say there's one type of governance that is the best? Or does the Bible seem to allow countries and cultures are going to come up with what they're going to come up with? Yeah, nowhere in Scripture does it say anyone is the best. And right. the United States actually pulled from the democratic values that came out of Greek and Roman right. time. So, and uh, then created the Constitution, understanding the Republic. So when Peter says we're supposed to honor the king, that doesn't mean that every governing authority should be a kingdom. Correct. Correct. So the governing, the way that this country was established was the Constitution as the supreme, uh, which is a great point. So that would actually kind of be the king. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love that point. And so then we have the three branches and all that jazz. And because this is a, uh, what are we technically, a democratic republic? A constitutional Con- republic. Constitu- Const- yeah, constitutional yeah. republic. Thank you. So um, not even technically a democracy, 
uh, you know, and then of course, there's a whole bunch of stuff that people don't even realize with that stuff. So we're a constitutional republic. Um, and so that is the way our system is set up. And so that is what we're submitting to. Um, and so if Craig nailed it, if there's a president or a congressman or whatever um, that is going against the Constitution, the Constitution is set up for us to vote them out or impeach. Like, like I said, there's other processes beyond voting becomes the main one, but there's, there's other ones as well. Um, and so... Our, our, the governing system that we're to submit to actually allows for us to dethrone whoever the person is that's in charge if they're not sticking with the Constitution, which is phenomenal. Um, but we, we obviously want to go through um, the way that this, the system is set up to go through, right? Not just our, our own way that may be easier or more fun or, you know, whatever. Um, so that's, that's another great qualification. This also touches on the flight, fight, persevere. And so if you go back to season one of the Rekindling podcast, we discussed that lens of flight, fight, persevere. We also discussed it again in season three in the um, unpackings. But the general idea is when there's some bad situation, there's four actual responses that one can do. One can flee it, which means the bad continues, but they're no longer around it. One can fight it, which means to stop the bad. One can roll over and die and be defeated by that, so they stay there and the, and the bad consumes them. Or one can persevere, which is they, they stay there, um, let the bad happen, but the bad doesn't consume them. So biblically, defeat, to roll over and die, is never an option that God would give. But God would say the, the fleeing, the fighting, and the persevering are the three options. What's interesting is the persevering and the rolling over and dying on the surface look the same. Because both of them call you to stay there in the bad and let the bad continue. But that's where the, the similarity stops. The, the persevering is you're going to stay there and you're going to let this bad continue, but you're not going to let it defeat you. You're going to stay strong in the midst of it, even though it still continues. Um, and so a lot of people don't like persevering because they want to either flee or fight. That's more personality kind of driven. It does seem that biblically the default answer is to persevere. And then there's exceptions to fleeing and, and, and fighting. So scripturally... We're going to see examples like like um, the oppressive Egyptian governing authorities. Jesus called Moses and the, and the Israelites not to fight and overthrow Pharaoh, but to flee. Now, the main point him was, I, I actually, I, what I want is I want you going to the promised land. So we're going to flee Egypt to go there. Then when Joshua and the Israelites came into the promised land, there were the governing authorities there. God called them to fight to overthrow. You know, these were the, the, the demon worshipers and the, and the, and the child um, sacrifices and all that kind of jazz. So that was an example of them calling to fight. Um, when you get to the New Testament and you watch Jesus and you watch the book of Acts and some of the, the letters, the tone changes a bit um, where you have more of this, you know, submit to your governing authorities, uh, honor the king. You have the, um, we don't fight, we don't wage wars, the world wages war. That's in Colossians, I think. And then in um Ephesians 6, it says, so our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and powers of this dark world. It's referring to, to demons and such, spiritual warfare. Um, and so the tone shifts a little bit. You also have the early church history where you don't see Christians rising up to overthrow um, the, the Jewish authorities in Palestine or the Roman authorities overall. It was more of a, we need to, we need to submit. And, you know, and the, the martyrdom was a great example that they, the, a lot of times it depends on, it, man, there's so much with church history, but it depends on the emperor, but some emperors wanted divine worship. And so they would institute a law. You had to divine worship them. Christians say we can't do that. And then they might be killed or fined or thrown into prison. And so they, they submitted to whatever the punishment was, um, but they would not do that. It was kind of fun to watch. Um, and so that would be, that's probably a combination of persevering and fighting. They didn't flee. They didn't leave the country. 
they allowed that governing authority still to exist. They, they allowed that authority still to do these bad laws, and they persevered and endured, though they did fight a little bit, in the, but the fight was defensive, i.e., I'm not going to do that, rather than offensive. Um, so anyways, what, um, this is probably what we're, we'll disagree a little bit on, but what would you guys say, is there ever a time when Christians should be physically violent in resisting authority? Uh, you know, I would, of course, lean more towards no. Yes. There is time. Okay. And I, I don't think that's the hard and fast rule, but I would definitely say that there is a time where either through massive persecution or just a culture or a country going completely immoral, that after fighting with words and with intellect, that it may need to come to a physical battle. So if you've exhausted all the other things that we've been talking about and none of them are working, do you think automatically, like it's a given, if you've tried all these and it's still not working, then turn to violence? Or do you think there'd be, if all these things have tried and they're not working, and then also we hear from God, then we do it? Yeah, I think it needs to be divinely inspired. Okay. However, that's even questionable on who's saying that it was divinely inspired. Right. You can get a pretty crazy dude say the guy from Westboro Baptist Church Mm -hmm. saying this is divinely inspired well I don't think anybody in the Christian world other than Westboro Baptist Church people actually think they're divinely inspired yeah so So. let's say let's say for you uh you know here in the states it goes more and more unchristian and more and more anti-christian and things are getting really, really nasty. And we've tried everything through all the political means in the Constitution. None of those worked. We tried a number of other persuasive ways. None of those worked. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then somebody comes along who doesn't seem to be a crackpot. And they say that, hey, I feel like the Lord is calling us to go ahead and begin to physically violently resist. You would be comfortable in doing so at that point. I would entertain the option. Yeah. What about you, Erica? And I can also see if something is happening where the nation is completely coming apart. And I mean, part of the Constitution is we have the right to bear arms and we have the right to defend ourselves. So if people actually end up at our doorsteps or at our houses and they're um, trying to kill us or our children or our families, Mm -hmm. then I do think that as a protective right and a defense mechanism, as long as, you know, also God has put that in your heart, like, yes, stand and fight here. For, for what you have here, then I think there would be a time to fight back in those instances. Yeah. Craig? Yes, I, I do. Um, I agree. Um, as we kind of talked about, our, our king is our constitution. And our constitution, it says, if the government, that's why we have the Second Amendment. Right. Most people don't know that's the reason, but that's why it's there. Yeah. Um, and so the king says, if it gets too bad, do this. Now, I'm not saying that's our go-to, but it, it might not even just be for just the Christians. You take a look at something it's like true. Venezuela and the whole country is yeah. suffering non-Christians alike. And um, so I think there are points. I think it's definitely a last resort. Mm. Okay. Danielle. I'm kind of in between. I hate the idea of fighting. I hate, I, I don't even, I'm not against guns. I just am afraid of guns. Yeah. So I hate, it makes me nervous even thinking about that. But I do think that we have a right to defend. But it really, for me personally, if it was something happening to me, 
I would really have to soul search mm-hmm. if I had to get to the place where I was going to shoot somebody or yep. hurt somebody. And every country is different. So it's so hard. Yep. I, mean, I think if there's a world war or not just the war that's in our states, there's just a lot to it. So I don't even know if I've completely come to yeah. a decision on it. Yeah, I think for me, I, I can't rule it out automatically, but it would be an absolute last resort. Um, very, you know, specific scenario. And I'd have to clearly hear from God to give me permission to do it before I would. But, um, of course that, that's when we started getting into violence and death and taking your lives. So, so we're actually gonna, let's, let's wrap up there, uh, just so we can keep on time, but then we're going to record a second episode where we'll get more into what does the positive engagement look like? And then we'll also get into tone. So were there any, um, knowing that we'll discuss those shortly, is there any last thing that you guys would like to say or ask, uh, at least on these initial kind of the general rule with the exceptions? I was just thinking, um, when you were talking about flight, fight, or dis- um, persevere, persevere um, it's funny that our constitution is almost set up like that because we have the elections. And so mm-hmm. basically it's like, unless things go really crazy, persevere for some years until the next election Great comes point. up. Great and point. then... Hopefully, if Christians aren't taking the apathetic route, we'll go, things are getting bad. It's now time for us to step in through the perseverance and now make a change. So I just find that interesting as you were talking. I was like, holy cow, our Constitution is set up basically where Uh persevere for a time is like the main thing and then do something. Yeah, that's great. And and even the doing is still uh, social and, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, that's why I think it's – all Americans should be cognizant of that. Our ultimate, at least in the executive branch, ultimately you've got four to eight years and change will occur. Yeah. So just ride it out. Yep. Uh, and that's also why I think we should start to consider term limits in the rest yeah. of Congress. Yeah. Just for the same that. purpose because our constitution was not set up to have people make that a career. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, great. Well, thanks. We're going to wrap up with that and then uh, go ahead and, and listen into the next episode where we follow up and kind of wrap that stuff up. Thanks very much.